listening to the Babble Ed Podcast, hosted by Jonathan Miller and Scott Linda, and brought to you by Connected Learning Partnerships. Jonathan and Scott are international educators and coaches committed to better understanding the world of learning. The Babble Ed Podcast is an inquiry into why contemporary educators are grappling with the issues impacting learning in our schools and exploring how diverse approaches to leadership and coaching might offer a fresh perspective. Hello again, everybody, and welcome to episode three of the Babylad Podcast. I'm Jonathan Miller, as always, joined by my co-host and good friend and colleague Scott Lindner. How are you doing today, buddy? I'm really good, Jonathan. I like how it's like as always joined here because this is episode three. This is episode three. Yes, as always. I hope this goes on for always and forever. <laughs> Speaking of always and forever, and even though this is episode three, I think we need to announce that. We got to make sure we're not getting too big of a head or anything like that because we're. this is getting pretty huge after two episodes. We have had over 25 downloads. Yes. Steven Taylor, thank you very much. We do know that you have <laughs> two of them. It's enough to say that we're not quite trending, but we're definitely blowing up. Yeah, really. <laughs> <laughs> the focus of our babble today is diversity, equity, and inclusion. We have asked Ravana Baden, who is the head of Enriched Inclusion at the Western Academy of Beijing, to join us today. Hi, Ravana. Thank you for taking some time to babble with us today. How are you? Hi, Jonathan. Hi, Scott. Thanks for having me on your amazingly popular podcast. <laughs> it's going to blow up even more now that we're so excited that you're joining us, Ravana. <laughs> I'm good. I'm fine. Good. Good. We appreciate your time today talking about this pretty big topic, especially when we think about the need and the focus that schools need to put into this to make sure that educational institutions are providing equity and inclusion and that you know there's diversity that is clearly seen and respected. Can you tell us a bit of your story? How did you get to be where you are today as the head of EI at, mm-hmm. at WAB? Just give us a rundown. Well, I've always had a finger in the student support pie as in schools. And throughout my career, I got even more interested after I had finished my master's in counselling and guidance about diversity at the top end of the spectrum. So students Mm. who are experiencing extreme difficulty with participating within a mainstream schooling framework. Mm. And so focusing on quite a small minority sometimes in a school But such an important part of Mm -hmm. being a diverse place Mm. to work, right? So EI or enriched inclusion basically means supporting students that require individual programming and giving them the best educational opportunities ever. I'm listening to you talk there and I'm thinking, have these things been around for a long time? When I say these things, has the issue to do with inclusion or enriched inclusion, is that has that been around for a long time or is it something that, for one, I'm feeling it's quite present now, something that I need to be across and understand better? Is, I guess people listening might be thinking that too. So is there... So if you're talking about inclusion, I don't know what your school was like, Scott, when hmm. you were a student or Jonathan, but inclusion has changed or it, the inclusion of everybody historically has changed greatly Mm. in the last 20 years. So in terms of moving towards identifying populations of students that require what they need, Mm. we've got a lot better at naming it. Right. 
and there comes the term inclusion and with that diversity and, of course, there's an equity piece, right? Right. So you mentioned then naming it without getting too far ahead. Is it not enough to name it? What goes along with that? Naming something, as you know, you can name a lot of things, but you actually actually are not delving deep enough into it. And I think Brown versus Brown, United Nations Convention of Child, Children's Rights, all these things signify that we have to address an issue of equity, diversity, and inclusion. Mm. But what next? Yeah, right. How do we deepen that conversation as educators mm-hmm. in the classroom? How do we make that come alive? This is a dilemma facing every school now, mm. especially on the international circuit where you have such a varied population of teachers as well as students. students yeah. I'm wondering too, you talk about you know these are things that schools have to address. Might there be a bit of a misconception that when we say address People might interpret it as like, well, we talk about it, but then where's the actual, like you said, the deep dive or where is the action taken? How are you actually addressing it with action? Absolutely. And this is where I want to bring up this recent term that I've heard (laughs) being sort of spouted in different conversations, JEDI. Now, it's an acronym, of course, (laughs) and I really like it because it stands out as something quite cool. But it's actually relating to bringing alive equity, diversity, and inclusion. Because once you put the J in front, the J stands for, can you guess? No, it's not lightsaber. (laughs) (laughs) So, okay, I'll tell you. It's It's not Jar Jar Binks. Jar Jar Binks, yeah, maybe. It stands for justice, right? And a lot of the topic surrounding equity and diversity, it's all about justice and justice mm. education mm. or anti-bias education. Right. And how we do that in a school is to bring it into the school, make it real within mm. the curriculum. So listening to you there, and I mentioned the other day when I was listening to you talk as well, I feel challenged by that. Like I, I feel like I wonder if, if I'm, where do I start to get better as a professional, like where's our starting point for someone who would like, like myself, I acknowledge that I don't know enough about this. Where With, do I start? Also without coming across like, because there's this whole thing about, you know, people today need to be woke or whatever, right? Like how do you address it? Where's kind of the safe space to be able to say, you know, there's a lot about this I don't know, but I'm curious. Mm-hmm. Is that yeah. kind of touching upon what Scott asked too? I think we need to step off a little ledge. Mm-hmm in the sense that we need to look at ourselves first as a staff in a school, as a teacher, as an educator, and you have to look at your own biases. We all have bias. Mm. We all have self-bias. We've all got different upbringings, and we all have a different perspective on how we look upon others. So I think to be brave... I think the first step in schools is to actually sit down as a staff and say, agree, yes, we have biases. Let's face ourselves in the mirror and work out where our point is of where we we judge others. Mm -hmm. Because I think that that's the perspective I think that we need to have before we're able to educate students, right? right? And I think as a woman and as a coloured woman, in education, 
I think we need to, I think people like me also need to step out of that, that box a little bit and say it's okay to talk about people who are different, people mm-hmm. who are coloured, people who are diverse, people who have special needs. It's okay as long as you're respectful yeah. and own your own bias. And acknowledge that, yeah. That's a great stepping off point as a school. I mean, the other big one is do we name the diversity, equity and inclusion as separate things? And do we all understand the yeah. definition? Can we jump in there with the language and how we, you know, I'm thinking about that as I mentioned before, like a cultural force of language can be really powerful. Are we united in our understanding and the way we use the language there? So do you have anything that we might, like thinking about that potentially mm-hmm. as a starting point? Mm-hmm. I was quite taken by a quote by Werner Myers. So I was just digging around, again, just trying to inquire and understand that diversity is being invited to the party and inclusion is being asked to dance. I, feel, I go, ah, oh, I can get that. It's quite lovely, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. I like the notion that, well, maybe it's more than a notion, I like to be pushed into that awareness of saying there's more to this than just stating it, mm. but I also want to have a respectful space to negotiate and understand my own biases. Mm-hmm. So. How do we set those conditions? And is there a similarity between this and other areas of education where we set conditions of trust and safe to have the conversation? You said trust, Hmm? right? I did. You said trust, and that's such a grounding start. Yep. You have to have trust and relationships with the people you work with and the students that you teach before you can step off that ledge, as I said. And how we get that is through our work in our universal programming. You know, how do we do this through our units of inquiry? Mm-hmm. How do we build the trust in the relationship that it's okay to say something that may not always seem right or feel feel right? Mm. But this is a big one. Diversity is variety in its simple form, right? The meaning of diversity is to have variety. Mm-hmm. I heard that's the spice of life. Too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a buzzword. Yeah. But it, it kind of is something, one of those boxes that administrators need to tick, right? So mm-hmm. you, you need a diverse population. Right. And like you say, then what? Mm-hmm. So thinking in the teacher space, there's two things that are um, sort of hanging on today. First thing is the conditions of trust and the connection to coaching mm-hmm. and how any it's a human system, schools, right? So relationships and trust and setting those conditions, I can see a connection between the work of a coach but also just mm-hmm. the work of learning mm-hmm. and relationships. But thinking in that teaching space around, you mentioned can we set this up in lines of inquiry and stuff, maybe just that simple invitation to the room of students, 20 kids at any age, to say what is it that we know about this now and your viewpoint, your unique mm-hmm prior learning, prior experience that you come to this mm-hmm. point, it's all welcome. So one of invitation, mm-hmm. would that help honour a more diverse approach to a line of inquiry? Is that the type of thing we're thinking of? Student stories. Right? right. Everyone has a story. And I think, you know, you've got minorities in the classroom that maybe we need to give more floor time to. You know, how do we hear those stories and how do others respond. Mm. I think this is 
justice education, of course, you have mm -hmm. activists, we have activist programs that mm. you can also bring in, but generally I think it's got to start with trust, relational mm. trust within that group of 20 students yeah. and a teacher. Um, but that might be that part that's more than just being invited to the party part. Like That's the inclusion the, part. Right. Mm -hmm. And then the diversity right. might be in that, are we going to dance? Are we going to really say, hey, all of us with our differences can still be right? You know, and we want to hear more than just that one you know, viewpoint in a classroom. So then in our daily work as educators, you know, how do we know as teachers that all learners in our care then are truly being invited to the dance floor <laughs> then? Got to start with good music. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag Dave Matthews back. <laughs> I think it has to be very intentful. Okay. I think it needs to be part of a social and emotional curriculum uh -huh. within a school hmm. and how that builds as students get older. You're building on, on the skills of respect, you know, all the essential agreements of being part of a community. Hmm. So diversity is the variety and then inclusion is the feeling. Right. that comes with mm -hmm. the feeling trusted, right, and feeling respected and feeling included. And how do we develop that feeling within the classroom is the big thing, is how do we make it a safe space? And you talked about, you know, kind of stepping off a ledge and taking a risk. And I would, through this conversation, I would think that in order to get students to safely talk about that, us as the teachers need to model taking Absolutely. that risk, like... Mm -hmm. I'm going to be vulnerable right now and open this up to all of you, like to yeah, hear your stories, yeah. to hear your perspectives, but show that this is a safe space to talk about right. these things that are really, really important. So, I mean, it really comes down to mindset and being open to talk about it. In addition, I went like, I'm grappling a little bit here, but I, I think just knowing that it's not accepting the invitation, but also then saying, I want to hear and I value that, that mm -hmm. input takes a level of sort of emotional intelligence and vulnerability from whether it's the teacher or in this conversation from each of us to go, hey, you don't know what you don't know, but I'm open to hearing and I'm going to learn yeah. because of, you know, we're better together. I'm doing a lot with my hands. You can't say that on the podcast, <laughs> but I'm just saying. But you're being open. Yeah. You're being open. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Your body language is good. Yeah. I do wonder too, as schools, like how do you collect data on it? You know, like one of the important things that, you know, schools need to do is, is collect data on what they're doing to make informed choices, like show us what the next steps are. I'm just thinking like in that Jedi space, how do you, like, seriously, like what kind of data do you collect to see here are gaps? Here's what we're doing well in regards to these concepts. Mm -hmm. I think that's, that's a question. For <laughs> yeah. I think yeah. you've asked it. It's hard to quantify something yeah. that's very... It should be what we do rather mm -hmm. than a thing. Yeah. It's part of, I mean, we don't have data on how the relationships work in a school, right? I mean, apart from what we see around us and how we, we see the school growing. And, yeah. And I mean, so is it okay then just like we just know it is? Like we're confident just to know that this is a place that respects and and values diversity and we believe and we practice these daily like just to know that is that okay i think it's dangerous just to know it yeah a little bit because that's what we've been doing 
for the last 20 years. Mm -hmm. We think we're doing a good job, but we can always do better, right? And it's how to intensely make sure that it's it's being hit regularly Mm -hmm. across the curriculum. And that's the thing where I think if it's within a program, a mentorship program, or it's actually being sequentially introduced through the years of a student's life in a school, I think we've done a good job of preparing that individual to be a diverse person. It's in the same way that we might go, how do we know if, how do we measure trust? How do we set the conditions for that? I can point to the way that we might use language and be explicit in stating that we value diversity or we are putting resources into our collective or shared understanding of inclusion. These things, I think, would point to to that. But it's also not just that it would be then done, right? So, again, I keep like that might be part of that invitation. So an organisation could state something, but it might be more in that space of we know this because my contributions feel valued, mm-hmm. you know. So if I was thinking about a, you know, a sense of, of feedback on something, but if I was able to state I feel I can contribute to this conversation or shape it, that would be one way that an individual might be able to mm. know that they are contributing. Through the inquiry, yeah. through the dialogue. Yep. As a teacher or as a mm-hmm. even as a parent or as a student in that space, to be able to say, like, I know that I can share this and that I receive my contributions are received or the invitation is one of them. Well, and no. what you're talking about there is inclusion, mm. your feeling of inclusion in your community. Yeah. Classroom spaces can also make a big difference. I mean, open spaces where, you know, it's not preferential seating of any form. It, it's right. very fluid, mm-hmm, yeah. I think. Everything counts towards inclusion, right? It's not just the way we behave. It's how our environment looks and how we mm. move through it. This is why it's such a big topic. Is right. It, I mean, well, I we know. have a word. Oh, we yeah. have a word. There's a word that is diversity tiredness or sort of you're basically so frustrated that it just becomes a word again. Uh, So how do we stop being... It's like almost fatigue. It's Mm. a fatigue. So Start small, right, I think. So I even remember when I, you know, first moved international, essentially started my teaching career, kind of the big thing in schools at that point was differentiation, right? So... Like these terms, these things that we're talking about today and discussing, like it really wasn't brought to the forefront even, say, 12 years ago. Mm-hmm. And now it's they're really being pushed to the forefront. And I'm glad that it is because we need to start having the conversations. Do you think that COVID has done anything to amplify the needs for schools to address these things? Hmm. Not really sure. I wonder. <laughs> I wonder. No. <laughs> no. I, if I think about the larger space, there is maybe a push for people who are abroad to go home. We might be not experiencing that in this particular community, but there is that sense of the world has changed. I don't know what it means in terms of for education that COVID is any more of a catalyst for a sense of yeah. diversity, but I would imagine that as less people are living that sort of global nomad space potentially, 
that there is less of a particular type of diversity mm. in communities, mm-hmm. like because people are going going you know home, so mm-hmm. to speak. But that would be also well, would it be also just to be thinking of it on one level, mm-hmm. you know, so that you could still be of the same diversity? How do you model or frame diversity and inclusion when everyone is from the same background? Would be something that a number of schools in our mm. location would be really grappling with. So you might have more people of the same nationality there, but diversity is more than your passport, right? right. Yeah. To the extent that we can help schools be an example of the community or the society that they're in, I think is something that would then ensure curriculum goes beyond the discipline specific stuff. You can tell so the high school teacher stuff starts talking about the disciplines, right? Yeah. Yeah. So that you might really enact in that activist model before that you can actually make a difference, that it goes beyond Mm -hmm. the classroom walls Mm -hmm. and that we're actually living it and and acting on things. But I think it's also a I don't want to use the word. Is it connected with permission to do that, that a teacher might not feel bound by only delivering a written curriculum within a particular framework with these deliverables, that a student might choose to express their understanding in multiple ways and that resonates for the for the individual. Right. You know, and I think MYP, PYP allows you to do that within its framework really yeah. well. Mm. But I agree with you. I think there needs to be more done with staff, with teams, mm. to build the confidence to step yeah. out of the norms of the classroom settings even. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, yeah, take it upon themselves to explore different ways of communicating yeah. diversity. Because sometimes we might be saying to kids, I want you to do this demonstration of learning within these parameters, but these are totally within our control. Why are we saying it has to happen in this 70 minutes on this space? It's connected to the larger project or mm-hmm. problem-based learning. Like here's something about, mm-hmm. uh, here's an issue that really matters. Yes. Mm-hmm. It might only matter to the adult, right? Are we actually asking if it matters to the kids? Are they? Do they have that understanding to then, oh, I can act on this? Because otherwise it's just piecemeal. It's one of the great things I think about PYPX and as you go through the IV framework, that there is that encouragement to take real action, not just state that I know something about it. Thanks for getting my wheel spinning. Like as through this conversation, kind of thinking about how I initially answered it, if we think of an inclusive learning community, you know, the first thing is that it prioritizes people and their relationships. So mm-hmm. let's make sure that that is our focus when we enter into a space mm-hmm. is the people, mm-hmm. you know. I think also just thinking back on the last sort of 20 odd minutes or so, like we've touched on a lot of things, mm-hmm. but I'm still sitting here with more questions than answers. Mm-hmm. About it. And I would say thank you to both of you to allowing that to be the case. So if the challenge is to step off a ledge and if the challenge is to express vulnerability so that we can have the conditions of trust as a teacher, as a community, you know, anyone in the world's listening to us here, right? Because 25 downloads is a lot. But at the point being <laughs> to say, hashtag blow up. Say, just to say, I don't know enough about this, but I want Absolutely. to. Mm-hmm. And have that as part of a permission. That's part of the invitation. And that's the perfect starting point, right? Yeah. A discussion like this yeah. had across a number of different campfires yeah. 
a light something that could then go into a learning environment. Mm -hmm. I'll try this tomorrow because we chatted about this yesterday. I listened to that amazing podcast. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) So a specific starting point for schools when it comes to our focus today, like those that are in the coaching space and those that are leading schools, Hmm. what would you suggest? Like, can you kind of give us a final application to take away so that it doesn't just end with this conversation here? I think my opinion is I think it needs to start with the educators Hmm. sitting down and actually looking at themselves, who they are in this discussion, defining those three terms really well, Hmm. maybe adding the J and making it Jedi to make it a little bit more catchy. But as a staff, understanding the terms and working on self-bias, that's the step-off point. Yeah. And then, I guess, from that, you're going to get a lot more questions like we've had today. And hopefully there's a passion there to follow through into trialling that in the classroom with students in some form. Nice. I think I would feel better if I was able to hold conversations beyond just the invitation. We go, we have a shared understanding of inclusion. It means this. And there'll be some givens but it'll be real and resonate for our community. And so maybe that's the challenge. Watch this space, yeah? Watch this space. Or listen to this space. Well, thank you for being our Jedi today. Yes. Rovana, this was awesome. Thank you so much for just babbling with us today. This was was a real pleasure. It was a big learning experience for me. So thank you. Thanks, team. Thank you. Should we get out of here? I think it's time. All right. Babylon, everybody. Bye-bye. Babylon. We'll see you next time. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Babbled Podcast. Subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts so you'll never miss an episode. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes. Or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, that would help us out too. You can connect with Jonathan and Scott via Twitter at jfjmiller and at lindscott or through connectedlearningpartnerships.com. Listener.